Thanks for tuning in. We hope this message encourages and challenges you today. Here's a special midweek message from Pastor Marco de Barros. If you, if you have your Bibles tonight, uh, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 69. I want to continue talking about uh, vision. Uh, that, that, on Sunday, we talked about how vision starts with a dream. It's God's dream to build this church. It's the only thing that Jesus said he would build is his church. You know, he said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, uh, his people. But I want to talk to you tonight that a vision is, it starts with the dream, but is sustained by passion. Okay. A vision is driven by passion. Okay. Everybody has dreams, but it's the ones who have the passion to fulfill it that will see it come to pass. Okay. Passion is the key. Passion is the gas of your dreams. You can have a nice car, but you need gas to get you from point A to point B. Okay, I saw some really nice cars out there today. I saw convertibles and stuff. God's really blessing you guys. I mean, seriously. But you better have gas to get home. Okay, cars nice, but you need gas to get home. Passion is what sustains a dream. Can you say amen? amen. Psalm 69, just one verse tonight. We talked about King David on Sunday. This is King David's heart. Again, speaking about God's house. Look what King David says. He says, passion for your house has consumed me. And the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. But that's the first part that I really want to focus on today. Passion for your house has consumed me. Jesus actually quoted this this same scripture when he went into the temple and they had turned the temple into a place of business. Jesus was flipping tables. You know, sometimes people say, what would Jesus do? I don't know what he would do sometimes. He might flip tables. I don't know. Okay. Jesus walked in and just went buck wild on everybody. And then he quoted this verse and he said, passion for your house consumes me. In other words, like there's a passion that God gives you, not just for him, but for his house. See, a lot of times people make the mistake of saying, you ever heard people say, I don't have to go to church to love God. Which to me, the punk in me says, yeah, I don't have to go home to love my wife neither. And I don't have to spend time with my kids to know that I care about them. It makes absolutely no sense to separate what God didn't separate. Like Jesus said, like, I love, I love God, but I love people. Like, I love the church. I love the people of the house. Okay, so you can't say you love God if you don't love the church. Okay, it's not true. They go together. They go together. Amen? But, but it's critical to understand that uh, any time you have a dream, you need passion to sustain it. Because that dream will be challenged. That, that dream will have is obstacles. Whether it's a personal dream or it's a corporate dream like we have right now, there's going to be challenges. That's why we sing when the fight calls. Right? We don't sing that song just because it's cute. Mm, five calls. You know, you know, the fight will call, right? And it's calling right now. But your passion will determine what will happen when the fight calls. Amen? Because, because passion makes you ask the question, why tackle such a big thing? Right? It, it, wouldn't it be easier for us to just coast? Wouldn't it be easier for us to just say, man, let me take that money and buy the house that I had in mind to do? Wouldn't it be easier for me to just keep with my plans instead of embracing God's plan? Because God's plan makes me feel uncomfortable. God's plan makes me do things that I don't want to do, right? Wouldn't it be easier to just settle for plan B? Because let me tell you something. Any plan that you have that's not God's plan is plan B. Any plan that you have is smaller than God's plan for your life. Can you say amen? So why tackle a building project when some people are... 
already saying all we want is money. Why tackle it when it comes with all these baggages that, that, that comes with when you're pursuing a dream? Right? When people question your motives, they question your intentions, they question your integrity, they question your character. Why? Why? Why would we put ourselves through stuff like this when it comes with so much hassle when others don't see the need for it? Like, what's the point? Why? Why do we need that much money? Why can't we just get a little storehouse like everybody else? Right? Why? You know, why? Why? Why dream so big? Why you guys have to dream so big? You know? Right? What's the big deal? God is everywhere. Why can't we just go to the park and have church at the park? You know what I mean? Like, you hear stuff like that. Like, like it's interesting because Judas said, Judas said the same thing. You know? When the woman came and worshipped Jesus with the alabaster box, Jesus said, why are we wasting that? Why give it to the poor? Interesting thing is Judas could care less about the poor because Judas was stealing from the poor because he was dipping into the offering plate. So it tells you that a lot of people's motives are not really God's motives and God's intentions, right? I mean, sometimes what people may, on the surface, may sound really good, you have to ask the question, why is it that you're questioning God's dream? See, I don't, I, it's one thing to say, it's one thing to say uh, you, you can question the human, but, but what, 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 what about God's heart? Right? What, is, what about God's thing? Right? It's easy to point the fingers, but, but what, if it, what, if, what, if, what if Jesus is in the midst and he's getting his feet washed by this woman and Judas says, why would we do that? What would Jesus' response be? Yeah, Judas, you're right. Actually, Jesus said, yeah, yeah, you know, the poor will you will always have with you, right? But this woman has just anointed me, and because of this, her story will be told forever, and I will bless her, and I'll bless the poor. Like, God is God is big enough to bless everybody. In other words, you don't have to take away from one thing, okay? So a lot of times we think with God, we have to pick and choose. You know what I mean? Like, if you, if you have two suits... And, 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 and God says, give one away. You think God has already orchestrated for you to have another one? Like, God is that good. You know what I mean? Like, because in our minds, we're thinking, we have to pick. If I give this, then what's going to happen here? God's already orchestrated that if you give, he's already made a way for you to receive on the other way. But why, why tackle such a project when the city doesn't make it easy on us? You know, it hasn't been an easy, it still hasn't been easy, to be honest with you. I don't go through all the details because I, 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 don't, I don't want you to lose faith. I don't want you to lose sight of the bigger picture. But there's a lot that goes into tackling something this big, yeah. you know. Uh, long hour labor is coming our way, right, because the builder's not going to build itself. <laughs> you know what I mean? God spoke and let there be light, right? And then God spoke and said, let there be hands. <laughs> exactly. Right? God says you will be the laborers, right? God says you will be able to benefit from the things I'm giving you. Why? Because when you put your hands to the plow, you take ownership. Not only do you take ownership, but you begin to appreciate it. Don't you know that when the building is done, because you worked on it, you're going to have such a zeal for it that someone that comes in that doesn't appreciate it, you yell at them? You'd be like, don't you mess with that wall? Don't you know why? I was here till one in the morning working on that wall. You know, kids walking on the, 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 the seats and stuff. You're going to karate chop that kid? Like, don't you know I, what I did for that chair to be here? Right? Something different when you are in it, right? Something different when you're, when you're part of it. But why do we do it? We do it because of passion.
passion for God's house. It's passion for something bigger than ourselves. It's passion that, that I believe God put in all human beings. Unfortunately, not everybody heeds the call and runs with it. Most people will settle for something less because most people are afraid not to fail but to succeed. I believe most people are afraid to succeed. Right? Because success also comes with maintenance. Right? Success also takes work. You know, failure also takes work. <laughs> Hey, that's, part, that's, the, that's the part that we don't like to talk about. It's like, no, whether you do it or not, you're still going to work. Whether you're working in reverse or you're working in progress, that's on you. Right? But work will take place. Can you say amen? amen? So passion to make a difference is what drives God's people. Passion to say, there's got to be more. Passion to say, this city could be better. This region could be better. I believe this with all my heart. God doesn't save you just for yourself. He saves you because he says, I want to use you to impact where you live. I want to use you to impact your families, your neighborhoods, your friends. Think about it. Why would Jesus, think about this. Why would Jesus die on the cross knowing that most would not respond? Think about it. Most people don't respond to Jesus. Why would Jesus go to that extreme to give himself because of passion? You know, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him. Jesus dies for whosoever. My God, that's crazy. Like you went on a limb for whosoever? That's what passion would do. Passion would put itself on the line for whosoever will hit the call and say, wait a minute, when you did that for me, I'm going to respond to that call, and I'm going to be who you've called me to be. I'm going to do what you called me to do. This is why we do it. We don't do it for naysayers. We do it for whosoever. We do it for those who are hearing that there's more to life. We, we do it for those that, that, that are not satisfied with status quo. We do it for those that, that, that are just, just hungry. How many of you guys came because you were hungry for something more real, something more tangible and powerful in life? That's why we do it. That's why we do it. See, passion is a strong desire. Passion is hard to teach. You can teach a lot of things, but it's hard to teach passion. Because ta- passion comes from within. Right? Passion is something that makes you wake up in the morning. Like I can lock this door and preach for 10 hours, and I cannot make you have passion. So only God can make you have passion. And only you can, can stir up yourself to have a hunger for passion. Only you can do that. Listen, money doesn't sustain a mission. Passion does. Only passion can sustain a mission. We came here with nothing. Only passion can do that. You know, only passion can do that. Listen, I believe we're going to accomplish our sacrificial giving. Even if we don't, that doesn't change the mission. The next Sunday, I will be preaching with the same heart, with the same devotion, with the same commitment, with the same dedication as ever. Passion. Listen. Passion is the reason why you invest in things. If you're not passionate about something, you don't invest in it. Like, if you come to me and you're like, man, I have this great proposition for you. You could become the mayor of New Bedford. I'll tell you, you're wasting your time. I have zero passion for politics. Zero. Absolutely zero. 
Like, you have a better chance telling me that I might, I might be, you know, a coach of a team or something like that, that I might have a little bit of a desire to do that. But if you tell me, like, listen, it's a guaranteed win. Like, you're going to win. Be like, don't matter. I have zero passion for it. Right? If I don't have passion for something, I don't, I'm not going to invest in it. Right? You invest in what you're passionate about. This is why a lot of times when you, you hear people say they love something, it's like, check their bank account. Only your bank account really tells you what you love. Your bank account is the greatest determination of your passion because you invest in the things you care about. Right? If I look at your bank account right now, I'll know what you're passionate about. Whether you say, no, I'm not passionate about that. <laughs> your bank account will betray your heart or will confirm what's in your heart because whatever you're passionate about is what you invest in. So money does not, does not, does not, does not, does not drive a mission. Only passion can drive a mission. Because I would do this even if we don't have a building. If we don't get a building for 10 years, I'm still going to preach the same way. I've been preaching for 15 years. You know, if you go back and look at the tapes, I'd be preaching the same way, just way more terrible. (laughs) Same way. Right? Because, Because you cannot buy passion. You cannot buy passion. You cannot fake passion. Some people, you know, became Patriots fans faking passion. Right? Fake passion. I've been a Warriors fan since 91. This is not new. Okay? You can't fake being a Warriors fan now that we're here. You know, I'm that guy that every year has been saying next year, next year. For 20 years I've been saying next year, you know. Because of faithfulness, and now I'm reaping the benefits of being faithful <laughs> to your team. So don't tell me you're a Warriors fan. I ain't trying to hear it. Okay, because you ain't. <laughs> well, now think about this, right? If you, if you, come, if you bring this, this closer to us tonight, uh, if you're passionate about what you invest in, think about it, right? A lot of churches in the city are closing. So maybe that says something about the people's passion. Why are they closing? Because think about it. People are not invested in their churches. Now, we can talk about, you know, leadership and all that stuff. But at the end of the day is, if you're passionate about something, you're going to invest in it. If you invest in it, it's not going to die. Marriages die when you stop investing in them. Communities die when you start investing in them. Kids go astray when you start investing in them. Right? Anything dies when you're not investing in them. So when people say it's about money, to me, it's like, that's a shallow perspective. You have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because there's no, money cannot drive a mission. If, if someone is driven by money, to me, they have a shallow perspective of life in any aspect. You know, in any aspect. If money is a resource to the mission, but it doesn't drive the mission. Because we would do this with money or no money. Right? But it would be great to be able to say we have a place that we can do more and be able to see God do more. Can you say amen? amen. You know? But tonight, I want to draw your attention to uh, what passion does. There's a man in the Bible that uh, had a tremendous passion for his city and to rebuild in the city. His name is Nehemiah. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And I, and I, and I, I want to encourage you, if you've never read Nehemiah, Take some time this week and read Nehemiah. Just one chapter a day and just see what passion does when a person invests. 
Not just their money, but their heart, their soul, their energy, their devotion, their commitment. Listen, I just want to read a verse to you, from a couple of verses to you from Nehemiah, just to introduce this tonight. And I pray it gives you an appetite to go home and say, I want to read this. Uh, Nehemiah, right? Get this background. It's incredible, the heart of this man. Nehemiah has never been to Jerusalem because his people at that time were slaves in Babylon, and they had spent 70 years in captivity. Nehemiah had never seen Jerusalem, but his heart longs for Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a city of God, city of peace. It's a city where God established to say, this is where my people will live. And so they're away from home, and they're longing for home, and he's never been there. That's fascinating to me, the reaction that he has when he hears what's going on in a city, and he's never even been there. Which tells you, you don't have to be from a city to have a passion for it. Because sometimes the people in the city will take it for granted. Right? People in Jesus' hometown took him for granted. And he said, man, I'll go to another place and do more miracles because you guys think that you already have me figured out. Isn't it amazing what God takes you out of your familiarity to give you something extraordinary? Like he has to take you out of your comfort zone to be able to show you greater things because we have a tendency to take things for granted. Nehemiah is not even, he's not even in Jerusalem. And he's like, tell me about what's going on in Jerusalem. Look, just two verses. Look. Someone said to him, they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. My God, you're talking about someone who cares about their city. He's never been there. But his heart breaks to hear the reports of what's going on in the city. I got to ask you today, does your heart break when you hear the reports of what's happening in our city? It should break our hearts. It should should make us want to fast and pray on behalf of our city like Nehemiah. That's what should happen to us. I just found out that the young man that was killed uh, was a young man that we visit at the Douglas Academy where we go to have, to have outreach once a month. That's one of the young men that we have spoken to and ministered to, and now he's been gunned down by this violence in our city. That should tore up our hearts to say, God, you gotta, you got to do something in our city. We don't have time to whine about our city. We don't have time to complain about it. We need to be praying and fasting over our city. tell you something write this tonight every city needs some nehemiahs this is why god has churches in every city in the world every city needs people that would mourn for it who would cry for it who would weep for it who would fast for it and then would do something about it every city needs nehemiahs i'm believing tonight we are the nehemiahs of our city i'm believing that this is what god calls us to whether you were born here or not that we are the Nehemiahs of the city. I pray that you're the ones who pray for the city. I pray that the moment you hear bad news, it drives you to your knees. I pray that when, when things are not going well, you're, you're, you're never going to be the person that says, I can't wait to leave here. I pray that your mindset is, I can't wait to see what God's going to do in this city. We need Nehemiahs that will weep. They will pray. Then they will labor for their city. See, Nehemiah didn't stop there. Go home and read it. Because a lot of times, listen, this, I hope you catch this. 
prayer is not a substitute for obedience. You got to hear God's heart. God will drive you to pray and prayer will drive you to action. Prayer is not an excuse for obedience. A lot of people are praying about things they're supposed to be obeying. You see, you could pray about the sacrificial giving, but if you don't obey, you didn't sacrifice. You could pray to, 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 to stop that relationship, but if you don't stop sleeping with that dude, you're not obeying God. You're not obeying God. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Okay? There's too many people lying to themselves by speaking Christianese. We say things like, it's up to God now. Well, God already told you what to do. It's not up to God. It's up to you now. Because God will give you a burden, and then he will give you something to do with that burden, with that passion. Nehemiah had to put his life on the line just like Esther did. To say, well, I got to go home. I got to go do something about it. I've never been there, but I need to go and do something about it. We need some Nehemiahs that will have the heart and the passion for this city. I believe there's a Nehemiah inside of you right now. I believe there's a Nehemiah in you that longs to pray, to fast, and to do something to make a difference exactly where you are. God does not make mistakes. You are exactly where you are because there's a God in heaven who said, I position you there for such a time as this to make a difference where you are. We spend too much time talking about where we are as opposed to embracing it and let God take you from where you are to where he wants to take you. He does this throughout the scriptures. Go read it. Every person. Look at Joseph. Puts him in a foreign land. An immigrant. A slave immigrant. And Joseph still prospers there. Why? Because his mindset is, I'm here. God is God. I'm going to continue to work. I'm going to continue to obey. I'm going to continue to live my life in the fullness of his will. Even though I'm outside of my comfort zone, God is still God. God is still God. If you read Nehemiah, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find a beautiful model for changing a city. I told you, David gave us the model of how to sacrifice. Nehemiah gives us the model of how to change the landscape of a city. Go home and read it. You'll see this stuff. Look, here's what you're going to see when you read Nehemiah. Here's some of the the key things that needs to happen for those people who are going to make a difference. First of all, Nehemiah teaches us that prayer and fasting is the fuel to a movement. Throughout the book of Nehemiah, he prays and he fasts. Man, I'm telling you, you want to see some breakthrough in your life, learn to pray and fast. Jesus fasted. What does fasting do? Well, fasting gives you a tremendous hunger for spiritual things above the physical needs. Matter of fact, fasting is what brings perspective and clarity and wisdom. In moments where you're not sure what you want to do or in moments where something seems to overwhelm you, you fast and pray about it and see what God will do. You have an addiction, stop fasting and praying and see God change that addiction. Transform you from the inside out. Your marriage is in trouble, stop fasting and praying. You want a financial breakthrough, stop fasting and praying. You want, you want a sacrifice, stop fasting and praying and watch what God will do. This is an incredible model. And then he doesn't just do that and now he begins, because prayer will lead to action. He begins to think, what do we need to make this happen? What do we need? All the resources that we need that's going to help rebuild 
Jerusalem the way it's supposed to be. And this is where we are right now in this journey, is that we need to gather the resources to be able to have a place that is worthy of God's name. Not some makeshift place. No, a beautiful place, a majestic place where the presence of God can reside and people can be healed, can be blessed, can be restored. That's what we need. He begins to rally the people because he knows, like, you can't do all of it on your own. He rallies everybody that he can to say, we're going to do this together. This is what unity is all about. This is what passion is all about. This is what the first believers had in common. They put everything they had together, and they saw God move. Nehemiah then began to call people to repentance. Why? Because God does not live in the midst of chaos. God lives in the midst of people who have clean hearts and pure hands and and want to please them and want to obey them. Consecrated people is what they want. Listen, they were away from their home because of disobedience. It's the reason why they lost their land in the first place. So now they have a chance to reclaim their land. Nehemiah is like, we want to make sure we never lose this again. Let's repent. Let's consecrate ourselves. Let's put God first. Church, if this thing is going to work the way God intended to be, all of us need to repent. All of us need to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. All of us. They begin to reestablish God's word as, as, as priority. They hadn't read, they, if you read their history, they hadn't read the Bible in so many years. And you know what happened when they begin to read the Bible? After many years, their hearts begin to break. They begin to weep in, in, in a public square arena because they were like, we can't believe this is God's word to us. He breaks our hearts that we've been so far away from him. Begin to read your word for yourself. Open it every day and see God speak to you in your house, in, in, your, in your car. Listen, when you take a lunch break, open God's word and begin to see God's word. Begin to download your life and change you from the inside out. And then they have to fight some naysayers. You're going to have naysayers. You're going to have those who says all they want is money. But, man, if you spend your energy answering every naysayer, you don't have the energy to fight the right battles. This is why you don't answer naysayers. You smile, you wave, and you keep it going. You have to know. But here's the thing. At the same time, they did not lay down. Go read it. Because you, 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 don't have to, you don't have to get into arguments with people, but you can have your convictions. You can defend your church. You can defend your leadership. You can defend the things that we're doing without being flaky about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I just go there. I don't, I mean, I, eh. No, we need people who have some backbone. To say, no, we know what we're doing. We're following God's blueprint. And if this thing is wrong, then we're all wrong. And you're wrong too because you don't have anything to stand on. Because the question I always like to ask people when they say all about money is, how do you spend yours? If you're changing the world, then I'll listen to you. If you're not, then tell me what you're doing with your money. If you're out in Africa saving kids, then I'm coming with you. But if you're not doing anything to make a difference in anybody else's life, then it's all about you. So why should I listen to you? I'm about Christianity. You're about me-anity. Seriously. Listen, we're not doormats, people. We're humble people 
Right, but we're not doormats. We have convictions. We have backbone. We, we have something to stand on, and we know what we believe. And that's how you restore a city. What? Think about this. Seriously, though. What other organization is going to change the city? Like, seriously, though. Serious question. You think politics are going to do it? What other organization is selfless enough to take a sacrificial giving to build a place for people to go and be blessed. What other place is going to do that? What other place is going to build something out of sheer love? Like we, none of us have anything else to give but sheer love and devotion to God and his will and his people. Like what other group of people are doing this? Tell me. What other group of people have done in three years, 92 service city outreaches, blessing the community for free and blessing them with everything that we have. Show me another community of people who's doing that. Show me. And I say this with, 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 with all the respect in the world. We've done more than, than, than churches who have been here for 50 years have done in three years. So we don't, we don't talk about it. We show you. We show you the faith that we believe this thing. Right? We believe it and we walk it. Okay? And we're actively pursuing God's will. And of course, we're all going to make mistakes. Come on. We don't have time to be talking about that stuff. I want to talk about the things that we're doing. Not like, yeah, I know, we're not perfect. Tell me something we don't know. But let's get on board and get this mission going and see God will be done. That's what matters. Listen, I believe there's a Nehemiah inside of you. I believe you're called to be like Nehemiah. You're called to pray. You're called to fast. I believe that you are called to give where you can. I believe you're called to encourage one another. I believe you're called to repent and consecrate yourselves. I believe you're called to reestablish God's word in your lives, in your families' lives. I believe you're called to fight the spiritual battle and the naysayers that will come against God's will. And I believe you're called to help restore a city. I believe that's God's dream for us. I believe that's why he brought us together to do something we cannot do on our own, that we can do it as one body, one soul, one unity, one church of Jesus Christ on this city. And I believe the best is still yet to come. If you believe it, give God some praise. So listen, I, I, I'm, I'm leaving you with the challenge tonight to, to not be one of those who are on the sideline watching. This is, this, is, this, is, this is time for action. I'll tell you, the more you pray, the more you'll know what to do. And the more you do it, the more he reveals to you. You see, obedience unlocks understanding. The more you obey the word, the more he wants to give you something else to do. Because God doesn't want to waste his revelation. God will entrust those who are doing more. It's crazy how the Bible talks about this stuff. He says, the one that didn't do anything, I'll take it and give it to the one that did something with it. (laughs) That's pretty bizarre. Right? God's like, I'm not into welfare. Give me that. I'll give it to someone who's doing something with it. Because you'll hear people say, how come we're not taking our money and giving it to the poor? Well, we are. 
92 serve the city outreaches to the poor. Like, if that's not helping the poor, then I don't know what is. But no, it's about establishing a place. Would you lift your hands to the Lord tonight? In us, we'll raise up the Nehemiah for a city, for a people. I pray tonight, God, that our hearts will act. We act in the sacrificial giving. We act with our time, devotion, our commitment. As one body, we're saying, Lord, we are yours. I pray we take a moment to repent. If there's anything that's in the way of God, we want to repent of our selfishness. We want to repent of our indifferent lives that are not of you, Lord. We pray tonight for a pure heart, a righteous spirit, our relationship with you. God, whatever we need to do, Lord, we want to confess it. God, anything that's not of you. God, I pray for a church that is wholly devoted to you. Wholly devoted to you, Jesus. God, I pray that your word will be reestablished in our lives. That before we go to anything, we go to your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet, light to our path. God, I pray tonight, Lord, that we make a decision to have a relationship not just with you, but with your word. God, that's where we go for counsel. It's where we go for healing. It's where we go for therapy. It's where we go before we go to Facebook. We go to your book, Lord. Go to your book, Lord. We want your book to be alive and well in us, Lord. A well alive in your people. God, I pray tonight, Lord, we stand in the gap. Like Abraham did for Sodom and Gomorrah. We stand in the gap for our city tonight, Lord. And we say, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Lord, we... We want to surrender to you the days ahead. God, there's a fight ahead of us, battles. God, we need to devote ourselves to this temple. Like Nehemiah, Lord, they were fighting and praying and building at the same time. God, I pray, Lord, raise up your warriors that will fight, pray, and build, Lord. God, I pray, shut the mouth of the naysayers, Lord. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. That no weapon formed against your church will prosper, Lord. Father, there's nothing that's going to get in the way of your will, Lord. We will see this thing built, Lord. We will see this thing completed, Lord. And Lord, the place will be a place filled with your presence. God, we pray that because of that place, there's, there's thousands more, Lord, that are going to come and get saved and get healed and get rescued get restored and be set free, Lord. Fill us with passion, Lord. Passion for your house. I pray that's what consumes us. I pray we wake up thinking about you. We go to bed thinking about you. All day, Lord, our minds are on you, Lord. Fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, Lord. Let our lives be driven by passion for your name. Passion for your house, passion for your people, passion for the lost, passion for the things that matters to you, Lord. We love you tonight, Lord. I pray tonight, Lord. Take us, Lord, and have your way in us. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. Say amen. Thank you, Lord.
We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information on New Life and all of our campuses, log on to www.atnewlife.org.